we're going to read from the Bible this morning, which is, it's weird when I'm away, I never know who's doing what. So who's, who's the Bible reader this morning? Thanks, Heather. <laughs> A reading from Genesis, chapter 16, verses 7 to 13, chapter 21, verses 8 to 20. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar and Ishmael sent away. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking, and she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation." Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 31 verses 35 to 38. Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word today. We invite you to, to give us your word, speak to our hearts, and make this your word more meaningful to us. Even as we share and meditate upon your word, we want to encounter you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we all wish as Christians is to have a personal encounter with God. And this is something that we often pray for and trust God that we really want to experience this God that we have been hearing from the Bible. And I have a couple of friends sometimes we catch up and we share our experiences. And sometimes we share some experiences and it's like, I wish I also had the same experience. And that is the kind of things that happens in our journey as Christians sometimes. We feel that we have to really have a special encounter with God. We've heard of so many things in the Bible about this God that we are following. I just want to experience what I've been reading about this God. I just want to have a personal encounter with this God that I believe. And sometimes it's very, very different with different kind of experiences that we all experience. We may ask ourselves, why did God appear to the Egyptians in a special way? And what kind of God are these Egyptians worshipping? Such that when the Israelites were in captivity in the land of Egypt, these people tend to question the power of the God of Israel. I wonder how often we encounter God. And the Egyptians were wondering what kind of God are the God of these particular people, the Israelites. What kind of God are these people following? So there, there was this wondering about this God. And there were a times in the Bible, and I think Luke highlighted the meaning of wilderness to us. And I really want to highlight on the divine encounter that wilderness brings in our journey. And wilderness... It's in the Bible. It's not that vastness, that nothingness, that horror, 
I mean disaster. It instead a place in which life takes place. And I just want us to do some readings around Genesis for us to have a glimpses of what a wilderness looks like. In Genesis 28, Jacob left Beersheba and set off to Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put his head on it and fell asleep. When Jacob woke up from sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then in Exodus 5, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. I will not allow you, the Israelites, to go. Then they said, I mean Moses and Aaron, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take the three days journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord that he may not strike us with plague. Then in Exodus chapter 8, Pharaoh said again, I will let you go to offer sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go far. Now, pray for me. Then in Psalm 68, when you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai. Before God, the one of Israel. In Isaiah 32, the Lord of justice will dwell in desert. His righteousness lives in the fertile land. In 1 Kings chapter 19, when he, Elijah, himself went a day journey into the wilderness, he came to the broom bush, sat down there, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Take my life, Lord. I am no better than my ancestors. There he went into the cave in the wilderness, spent the night there, and the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah, in the wilderness? Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort, my people, says your Lord. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for the Lord. Then in Mark chapter, chapter 1, we see the glimpses of this prophecy. Then John the Baptist appears again in the wilderness, preaching the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness. Then in Luke chapter 5, Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And I like the New King James Version says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. These readings give glimpses of something for us to ponder on. Some theologians believe that the God of Israel is not actually any other God but God of wilderness. From the readings, 
we saw how Pharaoh was wondering. Aaron and Moses was asking Pharaoh to release them to go into the wilderness to worship their God. And from the readings and other things that we have heard a couple of weeks ago, it's all about God meeting people in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Whenever we go, we have a glimpse of someone going into the wilderness, there is this spiritual and divine encounter of a sort happening in the wilderness. So some theologians are believing that this God is no other God but a God of wilderness. God of wilderness. So go into the wilderness. You are saying, Moses and Aaron, you are saying you are going to the wilderness for three days to pray. Tell that God of wilderness to also come for my aid. Who is this God of wilderness? So it was Israel, Israel believed that the wilderness is Yahweh's, I mean God's original home. The wilderness is a place of testing, it's a place of revelation, and it's a place of promise. In our reading in Genesis chapter 16, it's rather unfortunate that we are reading this during the Father's Day. But it's very, very heartbreaking that Hagar, a slave girl, through no fault of hers, gave herself out. Something that was recommended by her mistress. She was just being obedient to her mistress. And all of a sudden, the reading gives us glimpses of what really happens. It's really discouraging. It's really disappointing that Hagar had to move away from the master's house because the mistress was really frustrating Hagar. So he had, she has to move away. And the intention of moving away was to seek for a comfort. And where did Hagar go? So Hagar, in her mistress, ran away into the wilderness, sit down in her loneliness just to behold her fate. Only for God to tell her again, go back and try again. Go back and try again. And Hagar's response after God's speaking to her was that, you are a God who sees me. You are a God who sees me. Now, sometimes we, it's very difficult for us to think about experiences that we go through in our wilderness. It's very difficult for us to reflect on good things that we sometimes experience in our lives in our wilderness. Because we allow the wilderness experience to consume the divine aspect of the wilderness encounter that we have to give our attention to. So such experience sometimes consume us that even when God is revealing himself to us, it's very difficult for us to know that God is in this wilderness with us. It's very so difficult because we are so consumed, myself as well, that we wanting to see God move in a certain direction. This is how we believe that in the Bible, we have testimonies of how God moves. And this is the situation I find myself. So we quote the Bible. We make references to God, wanting to see God moving in the same direction as we have seen in the Bible. Go back again. Go back again. 
Then Hagar's response was, you are the God who sees me. You are a God who sees me. That is the name in the wilderness Hagar gave to God. Because God gave Hagar a promise. She was in the wilderness. She was running away. She, was, she has had enough of her mistress and wanting to go away. Perhaps in the wilderness, her reason for going there was to just go and sit there and see what life brings. Perhaps to sit there and allow things just to flow. Perhaps with the intention of not going back to serving her master, uh, mistress again. But here you are. Go back again. Go and try again, Hagar. And this is what God is saying to Hagar. In our wilderness experiences, I know wilderness experience is unique and different for each one of us in this room. Your wilderness experience might not be, I may not see your wilderness experience as a wilderness, but your personal encounter with that experience has made it so hard for us such that we see that thing as very difficult for us to deal with those things. And that is the reason why in Hagar's situation, she was just sitting down and God came into her head. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who knows me. You are the God who are not after my mistakes. You are the God who are not after the things that I've done against you. But you always sees me as I am. You always knows my strength and my weaknesses. And you are not after those things. You are after the situation I find myself, turning those situations around for the good of your service. God of Hagar is our God of today. God has a different plans for Hagar. The message is not that Hagar should go into the wilderness and in the wilderness finds God, but rather that in the wilderness, God sees Hagar. It was in Hagar's wilderness. He, she had no intention of going into the wilderness. The wilderness experience wasn't by herself. It was experience that circumstances created for her, and as a result, she went there. But in that wilderness, God sees her. In that wilderness, she encountered God. In our reflections, do you see yourself sometimes in a place where you feel alone? Places where you think that you have had enough. It was at that point when Hagar realized that my competence, my ability, what I have cannot take me to that level that I really wanted to go. I have offered myself as an obedience for my mistress, to my mistress. I have offered everything that I have, but this is what I have done, and I, there's nothing else that I can do again because this competence that I have cannot take me anywhere. Let me go and possibly sit down and die. And that was the time that God intervened. 
The time when Hagar realizes that my competence, my strength, my ability, my giftings, my beauty, my everything that I have cannot take me to the level really I wanted to go. That is the time that God intervened. When we realize that we've had it now, when we, we surrender what we have for God, that is a situation that God takes what we have and uses it for the benefit of his service. Hagar gave up, but God intervened. When you feel lonely, that is the time God comes in and covers you up. I had an image here that when you feel lonely, you see yourself as a tree in a plain white ground. That you have nothing else that you can count on. But that is the time that God comes with a shade to cover you up. To tell you, my son, my daughter, we are in this together. Not Hagar's recognition of God of the wilderness, but Hagar's recognition of being seen by the God of wilderness. It wasn't Hagar's recognition, but it was that recognition that she had, that she had been seen by the God of wilderness. You are the God who sees me. In our wilderness experience, do we recognize that God is in that experience with us? Or do we tend to sometimes give up because of the, the difficulties of such experiences in our lives? She recognized that God is here. God is with me. Being seen by God of wilderness. So God of wilderness would always ensure the rich provision for all his children. The God that we serve, the God that we have given ourselves to, will not let us down. And I believe that our ability to recognize God in our wilderness is very essential. The ability that we should be able to recognize that God is in this journey with us is very essential in our journey. And God has his own ways of appearing in our wilderness experience. And in the gospel reading that we read, the Ethiopian went to Jerusalem to worship with the intention of going to experience God in Jerusalem. But that has been his rituals, has been going to always Jerusalem to worship. But on, her way, on his way back in the desert, something happened. She, he went to a place that he thought has been a ritual, a place where he can worship God, a place that he can be with God, a place that he can save God, a place that has been a ritual place just like the place that we find ourselves this morning. But on his way back, the Spirit of the Lord moved Philip, instructed Philip to go into the wilderness, into the desert where this Ethiopian was just Moving along. That is where he had that experience. But I don't think the Ethiopian's mind was going into Jerusalem was not just to have that experience within the desert. He was thinking he was going to Jerusalem to experience God. But it was in the wilderness that 
he experienced God. And I just want us to be, feel a bit challenged that this Ethiopian Enoch encountered Jesus in the wilderness. It wasn't during the worship time in Jerusalem. His recognition led to his baptism. And in the wilderness experience in Psalm is quite different because if you read Psalm 65, the wilderness experience is a place of provision and miracle. You crown the year with your bounty. Your cut overflow with abundance. The grassland of wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. In Psalm 105, miracle and provision, you see that he fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. In Psalm 78, he made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them in the cloud by the day and with light in the wilderness. In Psalm 107, you see this miracle and provisions again. He turned the desert into pools of water. In Psalm 136, you see miracle. His love endures forever. He swept Pharaoh, his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. So the psalmist imagery of wilderness is that of hope, that of divine encounter, that of miracle, that of breakthrough, that of provision, that of seeing God intervening, that of encountering God, that wilderness experience where we sit and reflect and see the glimpses of God in situations we find ourselves. The wilderness experience in some is not that nothingness. It's not that difficulties. It's not that pain that we sometimes think that we have to give up. It's not that situation that we reach, that when we reach there, we say that we have had enough. It's an experience of provision. It's an experience of divine encounter. It's an experience moving along, knowing that God is in this journey with me. God loves us and cares for us. And, and, and I don't know the situation you find yourself now. And I don't know the things that you personally encounter now that you sometimes tempt those things wilderness experience in your life. It might be a relationship issue. It might be an issue that you are struggling with that you have battled for a long time. But I just want you to feel encouraged that just like Sarah, she was about to give up. She recognized that her strength cannot take her anywhere. And that is where God intervened. I just want to encourage you this morning that whichever experience that you are encountering now, whichever things that you are facing that you think is so hard for you this morning, God is in that situation with you. God is in that situation with you. You are not alone. You are not going to walk through that thing alone. But that recognition of knowing that God is in this thing with me is very important for us as Christians. It's very, very important. And I want to encourage us to have that thing in our journey. Knowing that 
it is not that we need to find God in the wilderness, but that we need to allow the God of wilderness to find us. And this is my prayer that we pray for that grace to recognize God in our wilderness. I wonder what kind of situation in my own life that looks like a wilderness to me. Do I genuinely believe that God is in this wilderness with me? Just like the Ethiopian, he thought he was going to experience God in Jerusalem. But it wasn't in Jerusalem. It was in the wilderness. Don't put God in a box. You only open the box at a time that you need God. God is always, I would say, unpredictable. You can't predict. He knows you. He knows what is good for you. And he always intervenes at the right time when he thinks it's best for us. And having that recognition in our spiritual experience, in our journey with God, is very essential. Unless we allow God to be in charge of our lives, it will be very difficult, in my view, to have that acknowledgement that experiences that we are going through, we have God in it. It is my prayer that we pray for grace to help us to recognize the divine presence in our unexpected experiences. God of wilderness is God of today, and he will not going to let us down. And today is a Father's Day. I don't know what the word Father means to you, but I just want to encourage you that God of wilderness is our Father. God who knows us, who always father us, and will not let us down. Shall we pray? Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are Father to us, that you love us in our situations we find ourselves. Journey with us and let your fatherly love be felt in our hearts. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.